This is Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome. Both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one one another, what does this mean? But others mockingly said, they are filled with new wine. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right. Thank you, Mele. Um, hey, good morning. It's uh, great to see you guys here this, this morning. Um, Mele took on a major task there. She's an English uh, teacher at the University of Arizona and a poet. So we thought if someone could read through all those crazy names, it was her. Um, so, yeah, thank you for that. Again, um, my name is... Dave, um, it's great to see you guys here this morning. I'm the lead pastor at Redemption Tucson. Um, by way of uh, introduction, if you've never heard me preach before or you're new, um, first of all, welcome. Also, um, just so you know, I have a stutter. So just want to give you, give you um, a, a heads up on that so you're not trying to fi- figure it out as, uh, as we go. Um, I'm also sick. Um, I don't know how this all worked out. I was sick for like three weeks. Someone here was like, are you always sick? Um, usually not. And then right when I started taking antibiotics, I got sick again. Big pharma. It's, uh, it's real. No, I'm just I'm not a bad. Or it's gluten's fault, right? We'll blame that too. No, sorry. Opening a lot of cans of worms here together um, this morning. We are, though, we're getting into some really good things this morning together. And um, I want to pause, though, for a moment and say um, just something I thought I thought that uh, Andrew Tang did a great job this morning kind of addressing um, Sanctity of Life Sunday and our participation in that alongside many other uh, churches all around the wor- world and just acknowledge on the kind of fo- forefront that we're, we're in times where we need to address things, we need to um, stand solidly on the word of God and on who we are as his people and we're going to actually be talking a lot about that this morning, about why we're here, about why we're called to follow Jesus and what he calls us into. And just really, really candidly, um, I know that Friday, just a few days ago, the inauguration was a hard day for a lot of other people. Um, a lot of people, some even in our, in our midst, just worried and scared and feeling um, under-acknowledged and even in some of these things. And so we want to stand up and say, no, we believe that all people are made in God's image, refugees, um, people of color, underrepresented um, minorities, um, women as well. There was a massive march going all over the the country. And um, in all these things, it can be very polarizing and very easy to say, oh, I'm over here. This is where I'm at. And then just forget everything else. And and everything else, say, oh, I'm over here and forget everything else. And um, whereas on a Sunday like this, we can stand and say, no, we believe that all people are made in God's image from the very beginning. And that, 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 that when we're, we're conceived in our mother's womb, Psalm 139 speaks on this specifically, that um, we, all people, are beautifully and wonderfully made. And then we also, and we probably on, here in our, because of our context, we err a lot on the other, on the other side of hammering on the, the imago Dei, the image of God, um, uh, not just until the point of birth, for, from that point on. And we say, no, um, all, we say that, you know, people made in God's image should be treated as such after birth as well. And, and yet we also say on this day, as well as before birth, in beginning. And again, these are hard tensions. And I just want to take that moment, this moment to say that um, when we speak on this, 
and I think, again, Tang hit it, hit it home so well. That includes um, women who have had abortions. And that includes um, men who have, have paid for or been a part of um, ab- ab- abortions taking place that we, we um, pray for and, and alongside and, and our hearts go out to um, all people. And also on this day, we do say, and we're also going to speak up for all marginalized and perhaps the most marginalized and vulnerable are the unborn. And so I just wanted to kind of shed some pastoral light on why and how we're um, praying for that. Again, we can't just kind of say it and then move on. We, we've got to address these things more pointedly. So um, with that now, we're going um, to kind of transition into our, our time of um, preaching, our time in the sermon this morning. And I'm really excited about this. And so if you'll go ahead and um, turn with me to Acts chapter 2, if you have your Bibles or an app or something with you. I would encourage you, I don't want to be the old guy like knocking apps and things like that, but I'd encourage you to have a Bible physically because I think there's a lot. We're going to be in Acts for a long time and there's a lot to be underlining, circling, writing questions. If you have a notebook, you know, bring that. Um, So if you don't have a Bible with you, would you go ahead and hold your hand up high and keep it up? I want to make sure you have one so you can Follow along, especially today as we read God's word. So hold your hand up high, keep it up. Um, también si quieres la Biblia en español, levanta su mano y diga español. Y um, uh, si no quieres o no tienes una Biblia, uh, eso es nuestro regalo a usted. Um, okay, I, I said um, that we want everyone to have a Bible. And so if you want a Bible in Spanish... Um, ask for that. And again, this is a gift to you. If you don't own a Bible, please keep this Bible, make it your own, put your name in it, underline stuff. And um, so again, we're going to be in Acts, where we'll be for the whole year. En español, Acts es Hechos, el libro de Hechos. So so we all know, because um, I, I someone asked me last week, they're like, is that the only Spanish you know? What you Did you memorize that? No, no. Almost. A little bit. But um, where we're going to be this morning, I just want us to kind of know where we're at, is we're going to see this, okay? We're going to see what God does, and specifically what God does through his spirit. He sends his spirit to fill his people, and we see that the spirit, um, that the spirit unifies and overwhelms and empowers. And then we'll see how people respond. And then in that context, we'll see that the spirit um, attracts and fulfills and even confuses. And um, as we've said all along, acts is the acts of who? God, that's right. So cross out in your Bibles. No, I'm just kidding. This isn't Dead Poet Society. Don't rip out your Bibles or anything. But most Bibles say the acts of the apostles, and it's actually the acts of God, the works of God. God's the big, the main character here, okay? God's the author and the hero of the story, and we, we get to see God on display. And um, Acts chapter 2, let me just, just explain here, um, is, is this is like the pinnacle right here of the entire um, work of this author Luke, who wrote kind of volume one, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus according to Luke. Okay, so if you kind of just a couple chapter or a couple books back is Luke, that's kind of like the first work, book one, if you will, or volume one. And then Acts is the same author who wrote this. And the whole point he is saying, so God's people will know, will have assurance, will be encouraged that God is in control, that God is working. And so he writes Luke's, he writes Luke, and then he writes Acts. And here's the deal. Acts chapter two is like the hinge point of it all. Everything in all of Luke and then Acts chapter 1 is pointing toward and building up toward Acts chapter 2. And then everything from here on out is flowing out of what we'll read today and over the next couple of weeks in Acts chapter 2 and what's flowing out of that. And then everything that happens from here on out is because of Acts chapter 2. Okay, so I even, I didn't put the little diagram because I'm not a good artist, but I kind of drew, on myself, I drew Acts chapter 2 with like arrows kind of pointing toward and out of both sides, okay? Because this is massive. And um, of course, this would be the week that I get really sick and have like this sinus infection and headache and half my family's not here today because they're homesick and we're woken up all night by my kids and um, don't feel sorry for me, but just all the more, let's pray together, okay? Because I believe 
God has a serious work he's calling us into, and I, I believe this is a massively shaping time for all of us. Um, even this is why we exist. This is why we're here, to be God's people empowered by his spirit, living out his mission. Okay, so with that, let's um, pray together and ask God to lead us through his, his word. Lord, we thank you. We love you. We need you. Um, we, we pray that you will lead us through this time in your word. Um, God, we pray that um, you will open our, our eyes and ears and hearts. Um, I trust that I don't have the, the capacity, the power, the strength, the wisdom, um, the candor, the humor, any of that, um, not just this week because I'm sick, but any week, Lord, to do anything of eternal significance, but only through your power, um, according to your will, uh, can, can anything significant come from this time. So we need you, and we love you, and uh, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, picking up in uh, Acts chapter 2, as we've done before, and maybe we'll just do this. You can say welcome to chapter 2 to your neighbor. Just, uh, yes, Rem- remember that you're not alone here. We're not just individuals. And so with that, let me pick up Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And if you're new to this whole deal, how we'll do it is we'll kind of read, explain, read, explain, walk through it, explain, and sometimes in bigger chunks, sometimes kind of even break up a verse or two at a time. So that's how we'll go at this thing. And um, let's begin Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Um, Okay, a couple things there. They were all together in one place. Remember, the Spirit of God unifies, and this is... This is so important. I think, I think it's, it's very clear that God is doing something, that when we'll get into this a lot, that a lot of our version of Christianity today is like me and God and, you know, maybe my close friends, a couple here, but it's really more about me and an individualistic exchange and kind of how I go about these things. But that's really nowhere in Scripture. Yes, God calls individuals to himself and to be um, in relationship with him, but it's always in the context of community. When we take communion, when we sing, our, our weekly corporate gathering coming together, some will you know, say things like, oh, I don't really do church, or I'm not really into organized religion, or all these things. And sometimes there are very important things why they would say that and different re- reasons. But we believe from the very beginning that corporate gathering, that community is God's idea. That's why we do the passing of the peace, and that's a historic observance, and um, that, that's why we do these things. And so I think it's really important that when God pours out his spirit, this climactic point in all of scripture, empowering and equipping his people to be his people, to live as his people, that it's not a bunch of individual persons, but it's a people gathered together, unified. And it's on this day, on the day of Pentecost, which um, is something that both the Jewish church has historically observed, and then as well from there on out, that the Christian church observes. Because what they're celebrating on the day of Pentecost, and you'll see some of these dots connect. I'm going to like nerd out on you and get all kind of pastor excited up here, um, because you see that what's happening here is God would choose this day, and even the way all this happens, that it's on the day that the people are celebrating when God gave his law to Moses. When Moses was on Mount Sinai and he went up, right, you know, Egypt, um, you know, let my people go, um, Prince of Egypt. Some of you guys have seen that way old school cartoon. And, and then, you know, Moses, right, my favorite guy, had a speech impediment. Um, by the, but anyway, maybe. It says he was slow of speech, but I, of course, you know, project my own agenda on that. Um, by the way, let me just pause real quick. Okay, I can't do this too much. We've got a lot to cover. My... If, if we happen, miraculously, to have another child, a fifth child, and it's a boy, I'm naming him Moses. My, if you want to even call my son Cooper Moses, you can. My wife put the kibosh on that and was like, no, you know, and all these names, guys, if you ever do this, you're kind of talking names. My wife was often like, that's a great name for a dog or something like that. And all kinds of people, it's like, Moses, it's one of the most biblical names. I love the name Moses. So... Some of you guys, if you would have a child and it's a boy, you have my blessing if his name is Moses. I encourage you. Um, Anyway, just I had to get my two cents in every once in a while. I I digress. Let's get back at it. But anyway, 
Um, okay, Sinai, right? Okay, the mountain where God reveals himself to his people, and that's what's celebrated at Pentecost. This is also called the Feast of like First Fruits or the Festival of First Fruits, where all God's people would come together and would offer sacrifices from their harvest and their crops and, you know, all these things and all their animals. They would offer the first of it. Just like we do when we give, if you're a follower of Jesus, we say at the end in our response time, if you give, give, give joyfully, sacrificially, um, as unto the Lord. And that's giving, saying, God, here's a portion of what you've entrusted to me, what you've given me, what you've blessed me with to steward for my good and the good of others and for your glory. I give um, the first of that, not what's left over, not a kind of a, just a handout, but I give um, a, out of worship. And so that's what's going on here in this day of Pentecost. And people, as we'll see, from all over came. And God would choose that moment when people have come from all over the world, unified together to pour out his spirit in this way. So continuing on, verse two, and suddenly... There came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. This is, um, it, this is huge, okay? Just reading here, um, I'll just go ahead and read verse 4 as well, just so we can kind of keep it all together, and then I'll go back and kind of break it up a bit. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is a little section, four verses, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, that has literally divided churches, homes, family, families, has shaped historically God's work and his people and the church all over the place, all over the world, all kinds of things. These four little verses have been massively influential, as they should. Okay, now we're going to, I don't think it should be as dividing and as divisive and as controversial as it is, but we should take this very seriously because what's going on here is nothing less than miraculous and significant and so important. So what's going on here? And these, these things that happen, right? Rushing wind and, 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 um, and a loud noise and all these things. As I said, someone that would be reading this initially their ears would perk up. They would, again, they'd be geeking out. They'd be like, just like Sinai, just like when God revealed himself to Moses in this cloud, this loud noise, this rushing wind, this, you know, this light, these, this, 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 this kind of booming um, reality of God's presence. God is with you. And there was this idea with Moses when he first, as a representative of all the people, just one person, okay, set apart who could go up on this mountain and could interact with Almighty God. He couldn't even look at God. God, all these things. There was, now you see God connecting the dots here. This is massively important throughout all of Acts and especially for today. This isn't just some strange, new, weird thing that everyone's like, what's going on? No, this is God showing that his plan from all along has been to let his presence descend on his people, to empower his people in this way. So this seemingly really strange new community and new thing that God is doing is actually really, really old. It's both progressive and conservative at the same time, okay? It's God showing, no, this is my plan from the very beginning. I'm not just changing just for changing's sake. And yet, it's new. There's, it, it, his story is continuing to unfold, and his power is continuing to be revealed in new and incredible and glorious ways. And again, they would definitely connect the dots here to, oh, what God did thousands of years ago to Moses and to all of God's people on Sinai is directly connected to what he's doing here now. Not just to one person, but to God's people unified. And he is overwhelming with his spirit and this loud rushing wind and, and this fire. And this is showing God's work. And hear me on this, Kate. Um, I'm, some of you guys know I have a little bit of like, you know, tension in my own heart because, you know, we are a reformed, you know, non-denominational reformed church. When I went to where I really grew in my, in my faith as a, as a, as a, as a young college student, as a Christian, it was at a, a church here in town that's a Presbyterian church and on um, the Presbyterian Church of America. And, and the 
pastor would even joke, like sometimes we call ourselves the chosen frozen, right, or the frozen chosen, and we like stand here, and we're like, oh, holy God, we have a high reverent view, and we can't do anything, and sometimes you like hold your hands up like this, or maybe like this, and you know, never though, like you're not up here, right, you know, and so, so some of that's in me, but also like some of you guys know, I was baptized in an African-American Pentecostal church in Arkansas, so I've also got some of that going on, right, I've seen God work mightily. And, and I, when I first was really grew in my faith and saw God working, it was in with every week, like people waving flags and tambourines and like, you know, break dancing up and down the aisles. And so I've also, I see that. And so it's not so easy for me to see like, oh, this is it. This is how God works. We're, we're frozen. And yet over here, oh, we're just going off and just getting crazy. Um, and I think really, again, there's something that's happening here. What's the big idea? What's the main point? And I'm not making fun of any of these things. I do think we need to, I think scripture shows on the one hand, you know, David dancing recklessly before the Lord, celebrating here when we're trying to clap and like all eight of us are trying to get that going here as a church. And we're, right, we don't know yet where we are. We're a young church still growing into our identity. We're like, are we a clapping church? I don't know. Are we a, are we a hand? I don't know. And yes, we are, you know. And then we also, though, see in Scripture um, clearly um, God giving, you know, ordinance for how his people function together, not to be distracting and I'll just be real, in some cultures, what we're doing by clapping or by holding it would be really distracting. In other cultures, they would be like, do you guys hate Jesus? Because your worship is really boring and restrained and you're singing, oh, great is our God. Um, how's it go? Like, I cannot contain it. And it's like, it looks like you're really containing it very, very well. <laughs> Even that sound is like minor key, depressing. And then, right, so you guys know, and like, we're all confused. And that's okay, because let me just say, the big idea here in the scriptures, and should be always, is God and his work on display. So here where there's fire and loud sound, it's not to have an emotional experience and leave God behind, because we're now dependent on emotion, but it's also not like we're just going to ignore this and, and just not be excited about God. God is showing up, and he's working in people's lives. He's changing people. He's restoring and transforming families and individuals and, all, and whole cultures, and that's exciting. So the big idea here is God is revealing himself and his glory and his power. And how we respond, I think we should, we should be a little more open to just God leading us, still obeying his word, still everything we do for God's glory, the good of our neighbor, even the person right next to us, and our joy in that all together. Something else over here that's clearly happening, again, if you have a Bible, if you're kind of, you know, tracking along with me, go over to Luke chapter 3, verse 16, because a lot of us have said this, right? John 3, 16, if those of you who are going to watch, you know, football today and you'll see the end zone, the person with John 3, 16, no one ever holds up Luke 3, 16, and we should because it's really important. Because this is a direct, again, when I said that everything before was leading up to Acts chapter 2, well, in Luke chapter 3, verse 16, is where John the Baptist says, um, he, he, it's where he says, hey, listen, I'm, I'm baptizing you here with water. Well, someone's coming before me. You can see it up here. Someone's coming before me whose sandals I'm not even fit to untie. He's talking about Jesus. He says, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And what happens here in Acts chapter 2 is we see divided tongues. It's not like snake tongues, by the way. I kind of looked that up because I was intrigued. I'm like, that's kind of scary. Was it like little tongues, like snake tongues that are divided or split? It's No, it's, it's, it actually means distributed tongues. So these tongues of fire were distributed of all among these people um, who were gathered together. And again, the big idea here is God is showing that his promises come true. That from the very beginning to Moses, and we'll even see the very beginning to like Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 3, that God's plans for his people and his promises will always be fulfilled and his mission will always continue on as he plans and as he empowers through his people. And he's showing that's the big idea. And then 
Again, I said in verse four, something significant happens here. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So I just want to hit on this real quick because tongues is, again, an issue among us, right? Some of you are like, I don't know, or you're new to this. But some would say, like, oh, is this a tongue-speaking church? Is this, you know, what do we think about tongues? What do we believe about this? Well, let me just address this briefly among us. Okay, first of all, yes, this is a tongue-speaking church. I'm speaking in tongues as we speak right now. And what Acts chapter 2 is saying is this kind of tongues. It's a communicative language, right? At the very beginning, when I speak like a sentence or two in Spanish, that's kind of what's happening here is people are speaking in other languages that people already know and speak. So yes, we're speaking in tongues, right? Some, again, some churches, even ones that I've been to before and love and learn from are like, we can't say tongues in church. We're afraid of that. We can't even say Holy Spirit because that's going to sound crazy. And, right? We're too afraid and we're driven by our fear. Yes, Okay, these people are speaking in tongues. We'll see in the very next verses, people understand in their own language. So that's what kind of tongues are being spoken. Now, in 1 Corinthians, another kind of tongues are talked about. This is more talking about like one part tongues, okay? Someone speaks and other people understand. In 1 Corinthians, when it's talked about a lot, and again, it's talked about how to speak tongues in order and when, it's, when it exists, when it doesn't, all these, and that's another conversation. Um, the, the big idea there is it's more two-part tongues. It's more of a babbling, like a prophetic like utterance that's not understood without an interpretation. So it's like, yeah, 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 doo and then someone's like, what does that mean? Oh, Jesus lo- loves you. Okay, cool, I got it. Like, okay, I got that. And there was an interpretation. Again, churches I've been to, the church I was baptized in, and initially I saw that happen. It was like, kind of like some, there was, it was not all good. It wasn't always even biblical, but um, you see tongues in that kind of way. Okay, so there's one part tongues, there's two part tongues. And in Corinthians, it's two part tongues, and we're not in Corinthians, so I don't need to dive into that too much right now. But, um, no, there, again, I will say I do personally believe that God can still manifest himself however he wants today. Um, I'm not what would be referred to as a cessationist that would say that the Holy Spirit has, has stopped working in certain ways, even through, through tongues. Um, however, I think the way it's often observed in corporate gatherings and certain you know, denominations, I think is not biblical. And is not honoring. And so, again, the big idea always needs to be God's glory, the good of others, and our joy found in that. Um, and so, anyway, that's where tongues, but I wanted to explain here, this right here is one part tongues. These people who don't normally speak these languages are filled with the Spirit and are now empowered to speak these languages that other people understand. Amen? Okay, amen means, like, I'm tracking with you. You don't have to say I agree with everything you just said. Come up, we can talk about it later. I, we're saying a lot that we could talk about later. Um, we're getting into it, amen? We're getting our hands dirty today, together. Um, and that's the big, big idea here is God working among his people together. God is unifying. God is overwhelming, and this is overwhelming. His, 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 his spirit is overwhelming, and God is empowering his people. And here's the, de- here's the deal now. As we transition, he does it in front of other people. It's not just for us. It's not just for Christians. It's not just for his people. It's so that his glory can be filled, so that his people will be a light to all the nations. And that's where we pick up in verse 5 here, as God continues to, uh, to carry out his work before other, among the nations. He says, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, And they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in what? His own language, right? Okay, so again, what I, this is one part tongues, okay? Like I said earlier, they're hearing everyone speak in their own language. And they were amazed and astonished. 
When God shows up, when God reveals himself to people through his people, it's amazing. It's astonishing. It, you can't help but acknowledge something's going on there, and I need to understand. I need to, I need to press in. What is all this going on? Help me understand. I can't just make sense of it. And I, I think this is a clear picture, and we'll see this all the more, of God working through his people. It's not so easily dismissed as, come on, maybe some of our worship and interaction with the world around us is today. It's easily dismissible. It's easily justifiable. It's like, yeah, they, okay, they do that, but hey, I could find that same thing at the Elks Club. At the, you know, I could find this same thing at, at you know, the local coffee shop, at a hookah bar, whatever. Like, it's not much different. But no, when God reveals himself, it's attractive. Not, a, not us going out of our way to have bells and whistles and smoke and mirrors. Like, again, a lot of times we read Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, and we think it's got to have that, and I needed to descend from the ceiling and, you know, I have smoke all up and stuff and lights and all this stuff. Um, some of you guys like that picture, just a short guy, like, kind of flailing from, you know, puppet strings. But no, it's not that. But when God's working, we don't have to conjure it up. He's attractive. There's awe. He's revealing himself, and he continues what he's doing. Again, the big idea, one of the big ideas here is he is fulfilling his promises from the very beginning. They pick up with me again in chapter 7, the second part of chapter 7. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? And then it goes on and it lists this Parthians and Medes and Elamites and it goes on. And um, so again, the, the fact that these are Galileans is a little bit, the Galileans were kind of looked down upon, somewhat uneducated. They had an accent that people kind of made fun of. Again, I used to live, live in Arkansas. Some of you guys have been there or from there even. I've talked about this. And even there, there's like picture like backwoods, South Arkansas, you know, kind of accent, which I did used to have, by the way. I may or may not have a video somewhere to prove it. But um, my wife saw it and was like, I cannot believe that's you. And, um, but there's, there's this, this, um, this, so everyone's hearing, and yet, again, the big idea is they're in awe of God. I believe God loves using unlikely people. We, so much of our culture and our world today, even within the church, is like make a big name for ourselves, like make a big splash, right? Like you've got to be this, like, and you know, we believe like trickle down influence from God or something. But no, God loves, so be encouraged, all of us. Like he loves to flex his muscle through unlikely candidates. And, and, and I believe him doing this in this way is again, people are like, we're hearing the mighty works of God I think that's big, the mighty works of God. We're not seeing, they're not, they're not, they're not enamored with, with splendor and wisdom from these Galileans. They're hearing the mighty works of God in their own language or their own heart language. Again, I just, I love that because you see, does God care about all other nations? Does God, are we exceptional here? And, or do we have a stewardship that God has entrusted us, influence and power and um, all, all kinds of opportunity that is used for the good of the nation. From the very beginning, God's plan was to call a people who would be used to be, again, a light to the nations. And you see that here when all these different names that, um, because Mele said them, I don't have to, right? But she, all these different names in verse 9 that continues on Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and it goes on and on, and a couple really cool things are uh, happening here, okay? One is, again, covering the known world at that time, okay? Covering all kinds of places all throughout the globe that, that, that are there, that, that God has brought these people, again, unified together. And this is also covering, again, answering, for, like, rem re remember how last week um, we talked about the number 12 and the importance therein and what was happening and God was revealing that his plans are being fulfilled, that this isn't just a weird, strange new thing that you could easily write off because God's not fulfilling his plans and his purposes from the very beginning. No, he's showing I'm fulfilling that number 12, 
right? The, the, I'm fulfilling all these things. And so when God's people, the Israelites, were invaded and then were, were, were even held captive and it's called the dispersion and they were dispersed all over the world, well, the different places they went are, um, are what show up here in this list. And so God's bringing his people back again. He's showing, no, I am, there's not any, any part of the equation missing. God is trustworthy. God is fulfilling his very old promises in this seemingly new way. And, and, and I love this too. I'd, I wouldn't have picked this up without outside help, but even those first three names that are listed, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, well, I learned that the Parthians, some of you guys might already know this, um, and some of you might not even care, but bear with me because I think it's, it's, it's interesting. The Parthians were very contemporary. They were a group of people likely challenging the rule of Rome at this time, okay? So this is like, he's using people that everyone would know, oh, the Parthians. But then he says Medes and Elamites, and those are like, those are people that are no longer politically or militarily active. It would be like referring to a group of people that no longer even, you know, exist. It's not like, so there are people from that group of people there, but there's not like a country or a, or a group of people that would really make sense. And I, again, I think this is so huge that God is showing that, that even groups of people from very old and also new contemporary groups of people right here today, he's working in that his story is so much bigger, that it includes what is old and what is new. And he is fulfilling his promises and he is revealing what has been, um, what, what he's doing. And, and so and one last thing before I move on to the next set of verses, this is, I think really, are, are you guys tracking with me? Amen. Okay, I know I'm on cough medicine right now and I'm talking fast and that's not a good idea for a guy with a stutter and I'm geeking out, but this is huge. Again, don't, you don't have to turn there unless you're like a total note taker and all this stuff. But way back, Genesis chapter 11, something happened. I'm going to explain what happens there, okay? That's in the Old Testament. If you're new to this whole deal, Genesis is the very first book of the Bible, okay? Genesis chapter 11. This is thousands and th this is even in antiquity, okay? This is before written history was even taken. So we don't even know exactly when this happened specifically, but there's an event called the Tower of Babel. Have you guys heard of that before with me? Again, a lot of like Pentecostal churches, they define the whole deal of tongues out of this. I remember I've read all this and then went to seminary and learned a little more about maybe what happened at Babel. Well, Babel, the big idea is this. It says that um, all these people are gathered together and they're looking around at all the other nations and they're saying these other nations around us are making a name for themselves. They're flexing their muscle. And so these people, God's people, are looking around and they're saying, maybe we should do the same. So they wanna build this structure that they call a tower, hence the Tower of Babel. It's a ziggurat that likely reflects, right? It's like looking around saying, man, how come I don't have all the girls? Oh, maybe it's because I'm not swole like all these other guys. I need to go hit the gym and get some biceps and then I'll get girls too. And so I'm gonna go do that. So I'm gonna go to the gym and go work out. Well, in the spiritual equation of that, some of you guys are like, what did he just say? Was he just speaking in tongues? Okay, are you tracking with me? What, he, what they're saying is they're saying, maybe our identity... Okay, hear me, there, our identity as people dependent on God, as God's people, is not enough. Maybe my purpose and my identity derived from God is not sufficient. So I need to go make up for that elsewhere on my own. I need to go make a name for myself. And name is not just like Dave, Joe, Mary, you know, all this. It's like name meant everything that you represent, your family, your wealth, your image, your strength, your posture, your looks, your, all of it, your identity. And, God's, and these people said, we're gonna make a name for ourselves apart from God. And God says, oh no, I'm gonna come down in one of the first times where God descends to be among his people, okay? Just like this, remember what happens in Acts chapter two? God descends, God comes among his people. But in Genesis chapter 11, it's to disperse the people, to save us 
from ourselves because God, not because God's worried and God's like, they're going to replace me and they're going to overthrow me and they're going to they're dethrone me. Okay, God knows that can't happen. God is never passive, whamby-pamby, biting his nails. But God says, I'm going to come down here and scatter these people, disperse these people and confuse their language because together, apart from me, they will be lost. They will form an identity and a purpose and a family and a goal and all these things apart from God. And God says, no, I created people. God said, let us make man in our image. God created you, each one of you individually, and us together to be the imago Dei, the image of God in everything we do. And God knew the very worst thing for us is to live a life absolutely enveloped by sin. Sin is not God. In a nutshell, the definition of, of sin is not God. It's thanks but no thanks, God. It's actions and inactivity and overall a posture and a decision to leave God behind and to replace him with ourselves. And God says, I can't, I love my people too much. So he gets in there and he scatters them and they all speak now different languages and they're dispersed. And then right after in Genesis chapter 12, this is like one of the big, if you're walking through the whole story of God, Genesis chapter 12 is massive because then God focuses in on one man. Are you guys tracking with me? Amen. God focuses in on one man, Abraham. And God says, through you, I will establish one name. Name through whom the entire world will be blessed. Not a bunch of names, not a bunch of people scrambling academically, physically, financially, gender, generation. I've got to make a name for myself. No, God's saying, I'm going to establish one name for you through whom the entire world will be blessed. God will be glorified. The entire world will be blessed, satisfied, made right, and you will find joy. Your identity is most rightly found in relationship to God. And that name is the name above every name. In Philippians chapter 2, we'll get into this probably next week even a little more and unpack it. It's the name of Jesus. At his name, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Amen. And so God is, God is revealing, he is fulfilling his promises from very old right now among these people in this seemingly confusing way that he is establishing a name. He's saving us. He's, he's making good on his word to save us from making a name for ourselves and instead to find our name in his name, the name of Jesus. And it's attractive, and it's beautiful, and it's incredible, and he continues on, and he is fulfilling his promises. And yet something maybe kind of confusing happens here. In the last section in verses 12 through 13, it says, And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? They're ready. They're ready for what we're going to get into next week, beginning in verse 14, where, where, where um, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, explains what we just talked about. He says, it's all about Jesus. It's all, everything you've been wondering about, everything your heart has been longing for, everything communally we have been desperate for is fulfilled in Jesus. And so some people are leaning in and are amazed and are saying, tell me more, tell me more about this Jesus. And yet others Verse 13, mocking said, they are filled with new wine. New wine means like sweet wine or basically wine that can get you drunk more quickly. So they're, they're saying these people are just drunk. And here's the deal. When God works among his people, it's attractive. It's unusual. It demands an explanation. And sometimes it invites mockery. And I'll be, guys, I want us to lean in on this because I think a lot of us fall into this camp. I definitely do. I've shared this with you before. But approval can absolutely break our legs from, from running as God's people and who he's called us to be. I, I, 
I want you to want me and need you to need me. And, you know, I'm, I'm like a golden retriever, and a lot of us fit into this. It's like, you know, give me accolades. Give me pat on the backs. I've Not to diss on social media, but I'm taking a year off because I found God's revealed in my own heart somewhat of a, of a longing for that. How many likes do I get? How many affirmations? How many attaboys do I get? And, and, and so for a lot of us, that's, that hinders us from being the people God's called us to be because it's like, tell me more, tell me more. And, we're, and so when someone mocks, we we know it's hard for us to love our neighbor, sometimes even in spite of their mockery, because we just want their approval rather than understanding that we have God's approval, that God is great, so we don't need the uh, accolades and, and, and approval of others. And, and so there's a warning here, I believe. And I also think a, an encouragement for us to see sometimes that's going to happen. Okay, Jesus said, if they hated me, won't they hate you too? Now, we don't have to go out of our way to be weird, right? We don't have to have our, 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 our back of our car just riddled with crazy Christian bumper stickers that are like, you know, make people want to flip us off. And, you know, or we, you know, that like sometimes we do this. We're like, yeah, Christians are weird. I'm weird for Jesus. I'm doing this. Sometimes it's like, ah, God's working in spite of us right now because we're making it kind of hard on him. We're, you know, we're kind of getting in the way a little bit with how much we're trying to even in some ways defend our, our own identity and make us feel more comfortable by acting like we don't care. And, and, and in so doing, um, ostracizing other people. Okay, I don't think we need to do that. I don't think we need to go out of our way. But at the same time, we need to understand that the cross of Jesus is indeed offensive. That the message of Jesus, that, 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 that you and I are broken and desperate and sinful and apart from his intervention, we're lost that our identity and our purpose apart from Jesus is broken, that's offensive. And, and we need to lovingly be prepared to share that. And sometimes in my own life, I've seen this, and I want to encourage you with this. I've even experiencing it over the last couple weeks with some friends and even my own dad. I'll share with you. He blew me away last week talking to him, not a Christian, and we we're having a conversation and walking away from it, I'm like, I think dad's like right there. And I know he never like made fun of me or anything like that. Some of you guys have experienced that in your own home and your own families, but I know he was like, this is kind of weird. Like, what is Dave doing? He's taking his, we took our like two-year-old triplets to South Africa, which at the time was like one of the most dangerous country in the world. And our entire family was like, you guys are crazy. You're not loving. You're, what are you doing? This whole Christianity thing's getting a little bit fanatical. It's getting kind of out of hand. And sometimes we're going to just kind of make people look at us sideways. And we need to not go out of our way to bring that on, but understand that the spirit moving among God's people is sometimes confusing, and it always, always invites and demands questioning. So guys, as we close right now, I want us to consider, what does it mean for us to be the people of God, empowered by the Spirit of God? Again, hear me, the, I've got to hammer on this. If I didn't already have one broken hand, I'd be pounding the podium right now with my other one. Like, we're not in this whole deal just for us, for our comfort. As much as I want you individually, I've got people in mind as I write these sermons, as I, last week I pleaded with you, don't, don't go the way of Judas. Don't, don't try to stand before God on your own merit and your own efforts. It's tragic and it's full of judgment and dismay and despair. Put your faith in Jesus. Individually, cry out to him. Tell him, I'm sorry, I need you. I give my life to you. And yet the message I never want to hide is that God never says, okay, good, now just sit there and get spiritually obese or even to take it a step further, get spiritually constipated. Just, just eat, 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 and just me, 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 and it's all about me and my friends. And No, God has a mission 
that we would be living out his good news, the good news of Jesus in all of our lives, that, that through demonstration, through our lives, through how we relate, that it would be crazy, it would be counterintuitive, that we would not be a people clamoring for more power and more fame and more money and more of our rights, saying, I demand this, I demand these rights as a citizen, as a, as a this, as a that, give me rights, give me respect that I deserve. No, but like Jesus, where we would be able to say, because Jesus has given me everything, we can now corporately give up everything for God's glory and the good of our neighbor. So that we can now say, I lay down my rights, I, I open my home, I give of myself, of my relationships, of my influence, of my prestige, of my finances, of, of what, my comfort for God's glory and the good of others. Because God is always... And he is revealing here that he is fulfilling his promises and carrying out his mission. So church, let's pray together right now. Let's respond together. Let's plead that we would be God's people empowered by his spirit. Imagine what it will look like for us to be a spirit-led Spirit-filled church. It's, it's, it's not normal. And let me tell you candidly, if we're not going to be that, we might as well shut the doors. We, we, we might as well hang up our hat and just say, well, why are we here? It, we're, we're just playing church. We'll see in Acts chapter 5 what that looks like to play church with two people called Ananias and Sapphira. We need to take God seriously. He's on the move and he's called us to, to be his people and for him to do his work through us. And it's exciting and it's compelling. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we don't come right now flippantly. Lord, um, man, it could be so easy right now. I, we confess, we've already done that, but we'll do it again. We confess corporately that we are prone to wander Lord, we are minds. It's, I'm not judging. I could so easily right now be thinking, man, that game between Green Bay and Atlanta is going to be really good. What's, you know, right now, whoa, I can't wait to eat lunch. I can't wait. To, it's so easy. We are so fickle. And apart from you, apart from your spirit empowering and dwelling us individually and then enveloping us and, and commissioning us corporately, we have a nanosecond capacity to honor you and to live for the good of others, to give up our rights, to say the hard and offensive thing, to extend the right hand to people that we're confused by. Lord, we can't be your people apart from your spirit. And yet you have promised us, you have shown us, you have said here that you will be my witnesses. Lord, we want to be your witnesses. We are called to be your witnesses. And now we call out, God, for you to to descend upon us and to send us out as your witnesses for the mighty name of Jesus in whose name we pray, amen.